the Neon Confidential podcast. Is this thing on? <laughs> Welcome back to the Neon Confidential Podcast. Today's guest is the incomparable Brittany Palmer, who most people know and recognize as the UFC Octagon Girl, but she is so much more than that. And we literally get right into it in this episode. I think this might be one of my favorite episodes so far because the conversation just flowed and it was totally raw and unrehearsed. And her life has so many twists and turns. And I do say this throughout the episode, but her life literally reads like a movie script. She opens up and shares everything so candidly. She holds nothing back and she's a total delight to have in studio. We talk about using AI to create content on social media, how society now idolizes influencers over athletes, which was not the case before social media existed. We talk about her path to becoming a UFC octagon girl and how a tragic turn of events that left her unable to walk for months caused her to use art as a form of therapy and then led her down a path to become one of Las Vegas's most well-known contemporary artists. She is so talented. Her upcoming show, High Frequency, is set to electrify the Las Vegas Arts District at Kaleidoscope Studios on July 6th, where she explores themes of empowerment, energetics, and self-discovery. She is a versatile contemporary artist whose work spans a variety of mediums, including painting, mixed media, and sculpture. Her art is now world-renowned and explores themes of identity, emotional intelligence, and spiritual connection, resulting in thought-provoking pieces that invite the viewer on a journey of pop culture and self-discovery. With a career spanning over a decade, Brittany has established herself as a prominent figure throughout so many mediums, including entertainment, sports, and the art world. She continues to push boundaries with her work, both on her canvases and on your phone and TV screens. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Brittany Palmer to the Neon Confidential Podcast. Here's what I think. Mm -hmm. I was listening to a podcast with Dan Bolzerian today. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about like just the effects of social media, yada, yada. And, and I was just thinking like, it's so crazy how people used to really like sensationalize, not sensationalize, but like- We should act- be doing this on the podcast, you know? I, Are you recording? I'm rolling. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Shit. <laughs> I, I'm rolling, but like the, sometimes we'll use like the this stuff and sometimes we yeah. won't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's crazy how now the level of celebrity is all through social media. And there's not, not that there's not real talent because in order to build an audience that still takes talent um, and you have to have a brand voice and yada, yada. But like, where are the athletes and why aren't we idolizing athletes like we used to? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's what's, I think that everyone wants that relatability. Um, and I think that that's what kind of separates the social media aspect. Um, I mean, I, do I agree with it? I think that every, there's enough, I have this idea, like this ideology that there's enough to go around for everybody. And there's like different strokes for different folks, but also even with the monster podcast that we constantly are getting, um, from our athletes that we interview on our show, Mm -hmm. it is because like, you know, X games and like those things used to be such a big deal. And like having like your favorite scope, like skateboarder and snowboarder and that whole field, uh, but it di- it has definitely taken a turn and what, you know, um, even like NASCAR, uh, 
everything it's like they're trying to like integrate more social media so these bigger sports can have more attention on them because like you said it has become very social media driven now. that's what i'm like do you i wonder if it's like because one is feeding the other like are people more interested in x games because the athletes need to be posting about it or are people thinking like well i'm already getting i'm consuming that content because i want to follow this one athlete and then I'll see if they won when they post about it. Right. And so I'm not going to watch X Games. Right. You know? I know. So it, it's, it's one of those, like, do you, I, it's, Kamala and I always have this conversation of, like, you can't resist what's happening. Like, this is the way it is. AI is the future. Even if we like it or not, like, you either jump on this ship or you're going to get left behind. And that's just the reality. It's like, how do we integrate all of it so it all is cohesive it all works and it all lines up in a way that we can all benefit from totally so my clients were sending chelsea's she's my vp they were sending us these articles about ai and like um chat gpt Mm -hmm. and uh i can't there's one that's like named something that we use to like write a press release but that we like we were playing around with it and they were like watch out you know they're gonna steal your jobs and we're like or it's gonna make us into like monsters with our job Mm -hmm. and we're gonna be able to be so much more effective at what we do because now we're like having ai help us we're able to do it quicker faster stronger better and so what we put everything into a press release it wrote a press release um sean christie actually Mm -hmm. was we were like all messing around with chat gpt and you know, he's coming, he's opening up another restaurant. Can't talk about it yet, but he did an entire social media plan. And so he's like, he emails it to me and he's like, what do you think? And I'm like, it didn't miss anything. Didn't miss one iota of strategy that we would have produced for our clients. So it's like, and clients all want to see that they want to see the social media plan Mm -hmm. and it takes a long time and so the time that it would have taken me to do that this thing spits it out and now I just saved three hours that's what I'm saying girl like and what's interesting when you get into a field as you are in or I am in like days go by really really fast and you'll leave and you're like shit not enough hours what did I do today totally and it's like it'll give you time to not only do other things that AI cannot do and at the and the reality is is AI, yes, it, it will write those plans. Like I help it do some stuff for me, but like there is no heart or soul into it. So when it needs to have the creative spin, you're still adding that. But also now you can like do other things, have a life. Totally. Like, not be bogged down by this this tedious, and it's not tedious, but it is a very time consuming part of a job or a situation or whatever, a business plan that can kind of lay it out for you. Like I had to write a resume to go to Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And I was in Costa Rica and UFC had asked me like, Hey, we need your resume to go to Canada. And I'm like, what my resume? Like, <laughs> you're uh, like I haven't had a resume in years. Honestly, I'm like, I don't know. And so they're like, no. And I didn't do it. Cause I thought it was like, I thought it was a joke. <laughs> and then they sent me an email. They're like, no, like seriously, if you don't have, if you don't send your resume by tomorrow, you're not going. And I'm like, wait, hold it. You're serious. They're like, Oh, we're dead serious. So I had to go on chat GPT and I was like, Hey, write a resume for Brittany Palmer. And it, and it pulls ev- and it wrote it exactly. My talents, my jobs, what I've done. Cause capabilities, it, it pulls accomplishments. It up Cause it knows it, it pulls up my name on Google about every job that I've done. And I was like, that resume slaps. Like, let's go. <laughs> you're like, send. And, and that's had, exactly right. And then you're able to focus on like the, the things that you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, but like when you yeah. get there, it's the same. Like, and I guess I love how we just like dove right in. Yeah. We'll just do this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Chelsea, don't cut oh. any of this out. Let's just keep it in. Let's talk about content for a second. Because yeah. how many followers do you have right now on Instagram? 
uh, on Instagram, I have over 1.1 million. So, you know, w- talk about like what it takes to produce like a piece of content because mm-hmm. I, you know, as a content creator myself, I see things that people do and I'm like, this probably took this person three hours, but we just saw a 15 second mm-hmm. blip of it. And I think our clients think that too. They're yeah. like, oh, it's a 15 second video. This took them you know, 15 seconds to make. And yeah. you're like, no, I don't have time to be working on like a strategy. Let us do what we're good at and capture the yeah. stuff. But I do understand they have to see it, but let's, so, let's talk about that. So when I create a post, I mean, I, and I hate to say it this way, but I'm very blessed and lucky to literally live a really fun and adventurous life. So it doesn't really take too much. Um, and, and, and I think that basically what I've strived to do, and maybe it's not necessary. I mean, as in PR, you would probably tell me that this is probably not the direction, but I really created such an authenticity to it to where it's like, I really don't care if I get likes or not. And that might be the angle or it might not be, but like at the end of the day, if your page doesn't have an authentic edge to it, I feel like people will see that and they smell inauthenticity. So yeah, I think that like I try to do the different, like the times and like today I tried something new out. Okay. So I did a reel. I was really excited about it. The guy that I'm seeing sent me this little tip. If you do a reel and you add these hashtags, like the ones that are like the most search, which chat GPT told me, this okay. is my little secret that I did. And we'll see. I'll tell you if it works. And then you do all the hashtags on the reel and then you move it outside it puts your reel on the top of like the top of the search engine and it like helps the algorithm. What do you mean move it outside? Okay. So you have to put your reel, Mm -hmm. put the hashtags on top. Like as you'd be like adding text to it. Great. Drag it outside. Oh yeah. 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 And then, but on stories or you can do it on a reel now. On a reel now. Wow. I just did it. I know we're saying, I think it's jumping, but also the reel I put was like, I was in a UFC outfit. So we don't know. So that kind of takes away and they probably do that on purpose so that you stay within the platform yeah. because now there's all the scheduling apps and you can schedule I things know. out. So it's, it probably encourages you to open up the app. And if you do that, then you're going to see somebody else's stuff mm-hmm. and, you, and now you're like, now you're stuck. And so it probably does yeah. that to where yeah. that is a little secret and it can be hashtags that have nothing to do with your video, but who no, cares yeah. because no one's going to see them. Get the visibility. And like, I think for me, I mean, I definitely have, I try to do a rhythm. It's like art modeling, promoting my stuff. Right everyday life art like and then I say I try not to do too much of the same thing because you know let's be honest like clickbait they love like the hot modeling things yep and then you know art it's like it, it it's a balance and I was just thinking that I was as I was like doing some research for this interview and I was reading not your resume but your most recent press release on kaleidoscope studios and your art show high frequency I was just thinking like you're so multifaceted but but that we all are mm-hmm. like everyone is an individual. Like, why do you have to stick to one specific thing? Yeah. And so it's funny that that's kind of what you have to do as a strategy in the same way with mine, you know, I don't have anywhere near 1.1 million followers, but still it's like, I am thinking like I have to p- post like entrepreneurial stuff and then people like to see the outfits that I wear to work. Mm-hmm. So I got to post an outfit post and then I got to, you know, and yeah. then I like to travel and I'm adventurous and I like to, you know, we have content. You exactly. just got to push it out. Exactly. <laughs> so it's funny that like as a strategy, we kind of know that, but I actually had an interview for a client, which is very funny to me, but this guy's like a big deal and like Mm -hmm. dead serious about who's representing his brand. So I get it. And he was saying, you know, what do you do to generate like user generated content? And I'm like, 
nothing. Like, what are you doing to, mm-hmm. to, to generate that? I'm like, do you have a dope product? Do you have a dope venue? Because like, if you have those things, people will just, you know, take pictures in front of your cool thing and, mm-hmm. or they'll take pictures of your great food or whatever it is. Like, I'm not going to be phony and like, you know, be like, use this hashtag to, you know, for a chance to win something. It's like, no, no one's going to actually do that. Any social media team that tells you that that's a thing is like out of their minds. So I'm like, people do crave authenticity. They crave cool experiences. So like that is where people are moving toward. I think like in general businesses, individuals, like if you have that authenticity people just naturally be gravitated yeah. toward you right Dude, micro influencers are massive right now like yeah. i have a big following and i've literally had someone turn me down because i wasn't a micro influencer and i was like stop what like but it is because there is an authenticity to their brand mm-hmm. and you know i think but because you and i both we have things outside of social media so like i said it's like we have a we have so much really beautiful content like my girlfriend she marissa she's like you just feel I, you're just you just do stuff all the time i'm like i do she's like you just all you do is post and i was like but i just have stuff to post because i constantly am busy and like keeping it interesting and like creating the the subject or like documenting things you know like mm-hmm. but also still trying to live and be in the moment it's it's a balance yeah and actually so when i was i get my nails done right by your studio mm-hmm. so when i when i dropped in you were in the middle of a photo shoot mm-hmm. for your upcoming art show yep. so let's talk about that because i feel like when people find you on social media is it usually because you is it ufc ring girl or octagon girls or like a specific it would be title? like the octagon girl, octagon girl. Say, okay yeah, yeah it's an octagon <laughs> okay so people do people find your page because they see you on TV and they're like, who's that hot chick? And then they find you and they're like, oh my God, she's an artist. She's this, she's that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that UFC is usually, uh, I mean, it, it, in the past, it was definitely the segue to everything else. Like that's how I, what I was the most known for. Um, and then when they dive a little bit deeper, then they can see that, you know, I'm an artist. And then I have a second Instagram for Brittany Palmer art, mm-hmm. which is more specifically just my art page. So let's walk this all the way back. Like, I kind of want to know, I want to know how you grew up. I want to know how you got into art. And then I want to know how you became a UFC octagon girl. So let's like go back to your past. I want to delve in. Dive in. All right. So I grew up here in Las Vegas. Um, I went to Cheyenne High School, which is a not so good school uh, in a not so good part of town. I grew up in North Las Vegas and the school was very much it was just a bad school does it still exist it does okay but i believe that they are all uniforms now so got it so there's (laughs) like there's bad kids yeah yeah they turned to uniforms as soon as i left so i was like yeah because of colors and whatnot yeah um so yeah that's where i grew up and i think growing up here and why specifically where i did um i didn't really have any culture i would say of like what i could do and i was kind of a bad kid as well so i didn't really help to find bad were you like doing drugs in the bathroom i was doing or? drugs in the bathroom mm-hmm. my father passed away when i was uh 16 wow. of drugs that's tough so yeah so i think that i kind of was following a path um that most would follow and uh as soon as he passed away i was a junior and that's when i decided i was like hmm, maybe the path i'm going down is probably not the right one so senior year i straightened up wow i barely graduated no, I, I graduated but i had to like take extra classes like i had to really like clean my shit up mm-hmm. and then Right out of high school, I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do? Like, I couldn't go to college. My GPA wasn't high enough to get a scholarship. Um, my mother, We didn't have any money. So it was just kind of like go to the workforce. And 
I've always been a very kind of creative little person. And especially then, I mean, I am obviously now, but like then I was just had so much energy and, uh, I was at a party and I met this kid. I remember, obviously I wouldn't know his name, but he used to work for Westgate and he would do timeshares. And he's like, yeah, I make like, I make like 20 bucks an hour. I'm making like 3000 a week. I can't even say, he's like, you got to do this. That was, was a like, lot of money back then. Hell yeah. That yeah. was a lot of money. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to do that job. So he gets me this job. I'm working out front of the Aladdin hotel and it was summer and I worked for about a month and I sold one timeshare and I'm a cancer. So I'm extremely sensitive and I hate being turned down. Oh no. And I was just like, I hate this job. Yeah, because not the, the job Because I'm like, Hey, you guys in town. No. Okay. Like, like <laughs> that's just not my job. But meanwhile, there were two girls that were in a showgirl outfit standing out front of the Aladdin promoting the V ultimate variety show, which was the V theater. I love that show. I know. So it's they good. were, passing out free cocktail cards and i was like look at their outfits look how cool i was and everyone's probably gravitating towards them because of how beautiful they are yeah they're like two russian models Mm -hmm. dancers or whatever so i was like oh my gosh that's the job i want so i go up to the girls and i'm like how did you get this job and i'm literally in my like timeshare outfit and they're like oh you need to talk to epi what's her name and i get her number and she comes out and meets me and i was like i need i have to quit this and i want that and she's like you're hired like just you get it like Let's go, Epi. Let's go, Epi. So then I go in, I quit. When I was like, I was like, oh, I'm out of here. Like, this is not the job for me. This sounds like a movie. Uh-huh. And then I go and I put the showgirl outfit on the next day. Got 15 bucks an hour and passed out cocktail cards to the so show. So a demotion. Mm-hmm. Five dollars an hour less, but you're in a uh-huh. beautiful outfit and mm-hmm. you're probably doing amazing things. Yeah. And then, so now I'm passing out cocktail cards, promoting the theater, getting people to come and see the show. And then there was a press night and I went to the press night because we were all invited and I went to, there was, we were all standing in a circle and I was just being personable and there was a magician and I was just like, Hey, do you need an assistant? And he was like, I actually do. I was like, I would love to be your assistant. And he goes, okay, done. Nathan this is Burton crazy. Was his name. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> so then now I'm passing out cocktail cards. I'm actually working as a magician's assistant. He's teaching me how to do all the magic tricks and disappear and do the things. I did not know this about you. Did uh-huh. he saw you in half? Uh, I've done that before, oh my God. but I, but I was mainly like the disappear girl. Like I would like be there one minute and then I would disappear. I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we ended up being like America's got talent. Like we were all over. Wow. Mm-hmm. So then after the show, so after the V ultimate variety show, there was a show called the X girls and it was a cast of about seven girls, six girls, and they would come out with black electrical tape on their nipples mm-hmm. and they had these like patent leather outfits and they were so beautiful and just so hot like and they're dancing and i was just like i want that job so what do i do i go to the producers and i said i want to be one of your girls and they said can you dance and i was like <laughs> i can do magic and they're like okay well you need to dance so for a few months i went to a dance studio and i said i want to take dance classes here i can't afford them they're like, okay, so why don't you come and teach little kids how to tumble in the morning Love and it. we will give you free dance classes. That was my first job was teaching really? kids gymnastics when yeah. I was 15 years old. Yeah. Okay. So, so you are very much like, if you see something, yeah. you're going to figure out a way how to get it, to get it. Mm-hmm. I love this. Okay. Keep going. So I would do, so I would go in the morning, teach kids how to dance. And then I would go work for the V show and pass out cards. And then I would 
go after to dance class and then I would go after to work at the show. So like I was just doing boom, 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 boom. Like this is like the ultimate Vegas Vegas. hustler (laughs) story. Like it literally Uh sounds like a movie. So you're juggling three jobs all at once. Yep. And learning to dance and trying to, because I knew I wanted to be a dancer. And then I got the show. So then the ex-girls ended up moving to the Flamingo Hotel and started ex-burlesque. And they called me and she's like, have you been dancing? And I said, yes. And she's like, okay, come in. So I went in, danced for them at like an audition Mm -hmm. and got the job. And I was an ex-girl, quit all the other jobs because now I was like, I'm the, like, I'm one of six in a cast and this is like a big deal. You know, they put our face on the side of the building and, um, I was only 20 at that time. Oh my so that God. Was two years of hustle. I and know. like not even old enough to drink. Uh-uh. And uh-uh. you're like, and I was it, drinking and you, <laughs> I know <laughs> all my best and friends. Yeah. Honestly, I was just thinking about this last night when I like couldn't go to sleep. I was thinking about, this is so funny, such a funny segue, but it does make sense that like, you know, I've got a successful business and I recently stopped drinking. I think we talked about this last mm-hmm. when we were hanging out. And I was thinking like how I just don't miss it. Like mm-hmm. I thought for sure it'd be really hard. And then I was like, why am I 35 years old? And, and people still look at me crazy and they're still trying to get me to drink and they're older than me. And I'm like, how have they not gotten sick of it yet? And mm-hmm. I'm like, I know the answer to this. It's because I had a fake ID from the time I was 17 yeah. years old. I always had older friends and I was out like hardcore partying. Yeah from the time I was like, by the time I turned 21, I was like, this isn't even a big deal because I've been partying for the past like five or six years. And it caused me to get all that shit out of the way so that as I'm older and establishing my career, I'm more focused on it and I don't care about partying. Yeah, well, you know how it's gonna end. Exactly. Well, and meanwhile, this is why really the whole thought like actually unraveled was because I was thinking tomorrow is like me and my ex-boyfriends, it's supposed to be like our official one year anniversary, but we broke up when he moved here. Mm -hmm. And now he's going out partying his dick off and I'm like excellent I just like moved you here so I could like watch you party but like I feel bad for him like Mm -hmm. he's older than me and he's having this like you know he's he's totally doesn't have his career established whatever I don't want to like knock anything but I just was having that thought about how crazy it is that when you're when you get the partying out of the way like my point is that I think that the United States should decrease the legal drinking age, you know, because 18, it, it let totally, it go. I know that's how it is everywhere else. Yeah. True. You know, true. So you're, you're on stage, you're okay. 20 years old. You're not even legally able to uh-uh. drink. Yeah. And okay. uh, so now I'm dancing and then now my whole, my whole life, I'm like, okay, so I'm what I want to do next. Like I'm trying to think of my future. I want to produce shows. I want to be a producer. Um, I have creative ideas and whatever. So when I turned 21, I did what every 21 year old does living in Las Vegas, get a cocktail job. <laughs> and at that time, pure nightclub was pumping. Yeah. That was Paris Hilton time. Yeah. I was all, then I was like, so I, I, like I do, I went to pure one night and I went to a, a guy named uh, Brandon ring. I think we had, I'd asked you if you knew him mm-hmm. and I was like, I want to work here. <laughs> He's like, okay. So then they give me a meeting. I get the job and, um, I mean, I, I, there's more to that. Like I had to like do the whole, you know, casting process. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm dancing in the show during the week. I'm working as a cocktail waitress on the weekends. I did one summer of rehab plus cocktailing up here plus, and I was just seven days a week. And rehab was an old pool yeah. party. I'm yeah, like, yeah, I don't yeah. want people to think that you're I like, went I rehab. went to rehab for yeah, a yeah. summer. So talk about just for people, there are people that uh, listen that don't live here in Vegas. Mm-hmm. How much money would you say that oh my God. cocktail waitresses make a, 
back per summer then, back okay yeah. so back then now i think it's completely different because they pull but when i was cocktailing i mean i would be rocking with after pure and rehab probably like three to four thousand a week yeah unreal i made good money so like if, if i made if i made less than a thousand a night i was like if i made a thousand i was like mm, not a good night damn i know it was bomb <laughs> so and, and then here's the crazy thing is i was still doing wec and ufc so because of that i was building this like momentum of a following on facebook at that time and twitter so like i would get really good sections because i'd be like hey guys if you guys were at the ufc fight come to pure nightclub and i'll be your waitress Shut so up. they would always put me on stage i mean like god love the pure <laughs> the pure nightclub management well they probably loved you for that for sure. too because now you're bringing I'm all these spenders uh-huh and they, would, they yeah. would come watch the fight and then i'd cocktail sometimes ariani would come in the building like it was such a vibe and then what here's the twist and then here's the twist I was 21 years old on top of the world cocky little thing making all this money and i was hit by a car <gasps> i fractured my pelvis in three places how like you were hit by a car while you I were was in- driving a car and i was t-boned oh in my, my god car. yeah and or maybe i was 22 22 um and Jesus. i would yeah and i couldn't walk for three months so what uh-huh so this whole little this energizer bunny who's running around working hustling dancing da, 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 all got taken away from me were you in the x burlesque show at yep. the time i was dancing in the show and i was so actually c- just left fox 5 we did a morning news station it was halloween and we did the morning news to promote the show and i was literally on my way to go to an eye doctor appointment real quick because i was having eye problems and then I was late and frantic as I do. And then I was hit by the car and I couldn't go to work that night. I had my costume in the front seat and everything. It was a sad oh, story. Holy shit. Yeah. So you couldn't walk for couldn't three walk months. For three you months. had to go to, had, speaking of rehab. So then you had to go to rehab to like well, rehab your hip. 21 or your, year olds or 22, they don't do the things that they should do. So I was um, just laying up and laying low. And that's when I started to paint and i used because i'm such a creative like i'm always such a busy bee i mean you can tell how i talk or even seeing my work like it's just like what goes on in there that (laughs) and i was sick of the tv and i was sick of watching movies and shows i think jersey shore was like just coming out at that time i was like what is this garbage and I started to smoke a bunch of pot, which I had already done all the time. But I, and you're I like, thank you, trashy reality TV, yeah, to like for co- driving me to. <laughs> you're not like, watch I don't want to watch this shit. I'm gonna do uh-huh. something creative. Okay. And um, I would smoke a bunch of weed and paint Jimi Hendrix and listen to Jimi Hendrix over and over and over. And eventually, about five to seven paintings in, they were getting really good, and it was progressing in a way. And the passion I was having by doing it like i'd never felt something so addicting in my entire life like better wow. than any drug was the the ability to create magic on a canvas on a sketch pad where it was nothing before and it was something after and it just took effort and i just i just fell so head over the heels in love with it and so had you ever been like called to art before did you take art classes I, in high school in high school i took art and i did well okay. my mom's like she has like some of my stuff you know framed she's so proud of it she's like well i had the first one you know <laughs> um but i know i mean grow, like i said growing up in vegas there wasn't like a culture driven there wasn't a lot of art back then yeah there's not like museums you can go mm-hmm. to to like walk around yeah. or yeah there wasn't any of that so no um i was it was just strictly to rehab so after the three months was up and i was able to kind of get back to work i was still cocktailing and um dancing and i was always youtube painting every day and i was like 
my passion for everything else I was doing completely fell. And all I wanted to do was paint. And to where I was like making up really weird excuses. I was like, oh, my eyes hurt. I can't come into work tonight. Like, and I would just go, it would be in my garage smoking weed painting with my dog, Ari. <laughs> like, it was seriously a very, like, it was a weird, it was a beautiful time because I was so creative. And I just like have all these terrible canvases. I still, I kept them because it's a good reminder of where I started. And I, think and I heard the canvases are like expensive. So you have are. all this money to like buy canvases because you have all, all these, all these jobs. Yeah. I'm spending it all on. And you're like, no, nah, I'm not going to go to those high paying jobs. I'm just going to stay here with my uh-huh. expensive canvases, mm-hmm. you know, and just paint. Wow. And just paint. And then, um, I think I just made a decision probably about a year later, uh, when I was about 23 that I didn't want to be doing what I was doing and where could I go? Where can I move that my talent ability and this career path could grow and that was los angeles and i moved to la to go to art school and was modeling and doing art and so you put yourself through art school i did and oh my god that's so crazy and and then and what what was next this is like such I went, a when i went to art school the story. They, had, they had to they had to accept you and so i had to bring them all my sketches and everything they're like okay you're accepted and I had a lockbox full of money because at that time, as a waitress, you just kind of keep your cash. And I was like, here. And she's like, uh, and I was like, I live in Vegas. So she thinks I'm a stripper, <laughs> you know, because I'm counting ones and I'm like paying through paying with cash. So, um, no, I lived in Venice Beach, went to art school. Um, and then it was when I got the cover of Playboy. And so, and I was still doing UFC this whole time, too. Wow. Um, but UFC was like once every month or sometimes. So twice you would a month just fly back in. Yeah, I would fly. Mm hmm. Um, and UFC was kind of, it was global at that. I mean, at that time, so we were going to Australia, we were going, we were going to Brazil, we were going everywhere. So it was just a weekend thing. And, um, when I got Playboy and Maxim and FHM, they kind of all hit in the same year. So then my schedule, cause then when you, when you do that kind of stuff, when you do the cover of any of them, really, you start to go on a press tour Mm -hmm. and I had a manager at that time. So we were doing all these press tours. So I had to quit school, which was fine because I didn't go to be like, I have a degree. Like I went to learn basics and to try to get to where I want to go to quicker than erasing it a million times because like anything there's, there's like a, it's like just courses that are going to make you better. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, the rest is history. (laughs) So how would you describe your style of art? Like, and what did it evolve? Like when you went to art school, you show them on your canvases, mm-hmm. did art school change your style or did you, do you feel like you've stuck pretty true to, I think, I think art school taught me technique. Um, I, my style has changed, uh, progressively over the years. Um, I would like to evolve. Uh, I, I mentioned that in the reel for my art show, um, to evolving as an artist is something that I really am. I, I respect and I admire and I'm trying to do that. So, um, yeah, I think that my style of art is contemporary art, um, modern contemporary, spontaneous realism. Um, it really depends on what I'm painting. I can kind of go each direction. Uh, there's a commercial aspect to my work. Uh, when I did the Star Wars collaboration and the Major League Baseball collaboration, um, as well as you know painting UFC fighters and kind of that direction. And now this new show um, that I'm creating is very, there's like a pop art element to it, but it has a spiritual twist. Yeah. So describe the spiritual twist. Okay. Well, I think that art is absolutely one of the most healing things. And it did literally healed me when I was in a uh, bad accident. And it also healed me from a lot of traumas and a lot of the things that I had um, suppressed for so long. And I believe that art is, you know, it's such a connector to everything, mm-hmm. um, music, 
writing so is that what happens like you're painting and you kind of just like get in the zone mm-hmm. and are you is it like a more of like a release do you feel like that's how it's cleansing in that way yeah you know what it is it's like when you have an idea that's an intuitive thought when that intuitive thought and you actually do something with that and that something becomes beautiful then you have self then you're trusting yourself then you're self-aware then you're understanding who you are and why you are without pushing that away because there's so many people i meet they're like i would love to paint then fucking do it Dang. you know what i mean like <laughs> I would love, and, and it's fine. And you don't have to do it for, I never painted to be famous. I never painted to be a successful artist. I was painting because I was trying to heal. And I think that I want that feeling in my work and I want people to heal. And especially there's a series I call Vices and Virtues. And I specifically took elements of Kamala, our friend and my manager. Um, and me and these are things that we believe make us us so for her I put the heart and then I put her body and I put a hummingbird and I put these crystals and these are the things that make her her and it's always a reminder of like who you are right and like I did the elements of me I put mushrooms and butterflies and moths and all the things that make me me so when I look at these paintings I remember these aspects and it's like sometimes we forget who we are and we forget the beautiful parts about us because we focus so much on the future or the past and all the things that we have to focus on what we have to do and then I made another piece called vices and it has all of the things that uh, I believe that not I believe but that we as human beings are addicted to whether it's vanity attachment heartbreak ego money shopping alcohol boot like it's like all of it so I think I just wanted my work to start speaking to people on a different level rather than just a surface level. And that's really what art is in general. Like, I feel like the way that you just described that would be how like a songwriter would describe writing music. Like you're, you're kind of, you're creating something out of nothing and then you're, you know, putting it somewhere as like a reminder. Um, God, that's crazy. And so you have this new show that's coming up. Yep. And it, your st- first of all, your studio is called Kaleidoscope Studios. And mm-hmm. when did you move in there? Oh my gosh, I think it's... Uh, somebody just asked me this the other day. You know the thing with me? I'm really bad at names and I'm really bad at dates. Okay. So, but I'm going to say I've been in there for like nine months. Okay. And you... did you so need it's a, a literal s- baby. <laughs> yes, it is. It, nine months to, that you just had to birth it, literally. Yeah, and yeah. now you're... And now the, we're doing the it. The grand opening's on July 6th. July 6th, yeah. Which is a Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... When you did, you just need a space to go create. Did you need a space to display your things? Like, describe why you picked the Las Vegas Arts District. Yeah. Obviously, it sounds it's, it, yeah. it sounds obvious, but well, that's a, that's a really good story. So, when I was living in LA, um, I was living with my ex, and we were together five and a half years. Beautiful relationship. Gregory Seff, he was an artist as well, and it, painting next side by side with an artist is such a gift. And if anyone's an artist out there, I, I recommend it, but it also, um, you know, it serves a beautiful purpose and our relationship was a beautiful purpose, but the relationship was coming to an end. Um, so I made the decision to, you know, figure out a different path. And I had owned a house here in paradise palms at like seventies neighborhood. I, Hell yeah. I bought a house. Um, it's an iconic neighborhood. Yeah. It was super cute. Like I, I like put a pool in there and I put like stars and moons and like, I made it like very Palm Springs vibe. Like, yeah, I that whole neighborhood. Were, were there celebrities that have lived there? Oh in my Paradise God. Palms? Yeah. Um, Sammy Davis jr. Yeah. Unreal. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I owned a house out there and I, I was going to just Airbnb it. And instead I was like, well, maybe I'll just go there for a little bit. My family's here. I'm from here. Let me just not move back. Let me move back a little bit. So I 
was going to live in that house and I needed a studio. So then I found another place and that was going to be my studio. And then I just fell in love with the other place and I'd rather live in the other place. So I moved into the other place because I had bought it. And then I'd sold my house just because I was like, well, let me just see. And it it, sold, you it sold the paradise, the paradise palms. palms. I sold right. paradise palms. And I think I was just painting out of my place for a while. And when I was doing the star Wars project, the paintings were just like, so many and it was just making i couldn't live in it were you commissioned by someone to by do this star wars yeah shut the fuck yeah, up yeah, yeah. by disney what? yeah <laughs> i know i was that was a whoa moment i was like ah. um so how many did you have to paint 18 you painted 18, 18 and star they were wars like cards. the characters mm-hmm. oh my From god all the different series and the movies and it was really cool so when you paint them mm-hmm. do you just have to give them to the company you never see them again or like how does that work i own the artwork but I can't do anything with them. That's what's crazy. Cause we have a very strict contract and I can own them. They own the image. They own the rights to the likeness. I don't, it's a very weird. <laughs> so you can't display that. Like, I can display them. They are displayed at my gallery, but I can't sell awesome. them. Okay. But they're not for sale, but I can create new ones. <laughs> I was but like those specific ones that I did. I can't sell. And how did that happen? Like how did, did I Disney for it? stop if you want something ask for it because no one else is going to do it for you so you approached disney i approached tops um and i went to them and i said i want the disney i want star wars and they were like what and i was like i want to paint star wars and they didn't even have a project and then they had to go to disney and ask and they were like okay they called me they're like you got it i'm like no way that is and i was nervous because it's disney like i've done playboy i was like i'm in ufc i'm on OnlyFans. are you guys sure and they're like no yeah we're sure i was like sick oh my god yeah. uh-huh you're so accomplished Thank like you. so many and there there are like i i feel like you've blown my mind five different times in this interview <laughs> and it's all you know i i feel Thanks. like it's because everything is so different mm-hmm. like all of these covers that you've gotten yeah for, for these incredible magazines. And then you've also been commissioned by things like Disney mm-hmm. to paint and you have you, your own art studio. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I feel like when people like me in Vegas know of you, it's always UFC octagon girl. Yeah. But like you've done things that are way more impressive in my, in my oh, mind. Sure. Yeah. Um, so we haven't even touched on the, <laughs> the UFC octagon stuff. So how okay. did that happen? So when I was a dancer here, mm-hmm. um, I was with a couple talent agencies. I was with the one specifically that got me this gig was Best Agency, which is still around. Yep. And they called me for an audition to be the WEC ring girl. I was 18 or 19. I was 19 years old. Uh, we had to go. Oh, my God. It's so funny. I, and the thing is, the people who hired me still work with UFC. And I always joke about how cheesy this was. We had to go to the Hard Rock Hotel. And we were in one of the hotel rooms in a suite. Oh. And it was like... So awkward. Was dude, there like a bunch of men yes. too? And like, they, they're, they're super like... They have, they're have I mean, they like uncles now. but And we had to go put the octagon girl outfit on. And there was probably like five or six of us. And we had to walk in a fucking circle in a hotel room <laughs> with a card. And like, by the way, the ceilings aren't that tall. So like, we so were like, like... Your arms are just kind of crowded. Totally. And um, we kind of just sat with them and like... <laughs> I got the call from Bess and they're like, you got it. And I was like, no way. Like, that's sick. And it wasn't UFC. It was WEC. But that was their, that was like their lighter weight class. It was still a same part of the same company. And um, yeah, I got the gig and I just started traveling with them for a while. And so we had all of the light guys. So we had like Cowboy Cerrone. We had Jose Aldo. We had Uriah Faber, um, Dominic Cruz. Those, that was our squad. Mm-hmm. And there was 155 and below. And UFC at that time was 55 and above. 
And so, um, actually they were 65 and, uh, when they merged, they brought me over and I just have been loyal to the company for 16 years, 16. I've been an well, octagon girl for 16 damn years. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. And that's yeah. what I was going to say that you're like, I've been loyal to them, but it seems like they're also, they return oh, that. Yeah. Like they take really take care of you guys. Cause it's mm-hmm. so did you and Ariani all both got it at the same time? She had gotten, um, kind of, she'd gotten it probably a year before me, but she was automatically in the UFC and I was the WEC girl. Got it. Yeah. Damn. And so what, what does that look like for you now? Like how many, how long do I got? Yeah. You know, what's crazy. (laughs) Every year I say the same shit and I'm like, well, maybe this is my last year. Maybe this is my last year. But now I've, I've discovered, uh, bio accelerators in Colombia, and I've been, I got stem cells and I'm like, I'm going back in December. I'm all maybe one more year. (laughs) Let's talk about that. Cause I don't know what just came out of your mouth, but it's, (laughs) It sounds scientific and I want to be into it because yeah. you look great. I Thank mean, you. I don't, can you, can you, do you want to say your age? I'm 36. I'm you 36 look, next weekend. You're banging. Thank you. And um, also happy early birthday. Thank you. <gasps> Wait, is your show launching on the, your birthday? No, my show is the 6th of July, uh-huh. but it's like a week and a half after my birthday. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, but like same, same, you know, like it's, you get like a two week birthday yeah, window. Totally. <laughs> you can still count it. Yeah. Yeah. So where, what did you go? What did you do? So I went to Columbia to Medellin, Ariani and I went, uh, to bio accelerators and we, you know, we'd always, everyone talks about stem cells and like the name of the place is bio accelerators. Do people know about this or are you like, they do now. Okay. <laughs> Exactly. No, these people are incredible. Um, I'm promoting them for a reason because they really, it is a beautiful, powerful um, procedure. Uh, a lot of the fighters go, a lot of fighters have gone. I think they have a couple fighters there right now. Um, it's beautiful from recovery for injuries. Um, but the vainness in Ariane and I were like, well, we want our face and our neck and our hair. And, you know, I'm not ashamed to say that I went and did it. And I was a and it was such a great experience. I want to go back and actually do some shoulder work and cause I have snowboarding. I'm a snowboarder as well. So mm-hmm. I have snowboarding injuries that we I want to go start. snowboarding, snowboarding together Let's sometime. Go. I like, we I don't know a ton right of girls. Now. I know. I'm telling you. I just saw that it like snowed at Mount Charleston. Also, we could go to day. Mammoth and I, just smash through. That's what I, was, I was like, what if we, I was like, what if I went snowboarding for my birthday? Oh, <gasps> Isn't that nuts? Yeah. And I was just talking about that. I don't know what is going on, but this is the longest stretch of time that Las Vegas has gone without triple digit numbers in all of like Vegas history. I know. I don't know what that means. If We're it's going to be like hotter like this into October, and November. I know. You know? I know. Uh, yeah, right. Because downtown's very walkable. So, so you want people to I know. to be able to not to walk outside, not fry, which is what happens here in Vegas. It's like 120 degrees. Nobody right goes outside. Like 90. We're like, ooh, it's cold out. Insane. I'm like, I what know. do I like? It's like I wake up and it's 70 degrees. I'm walking my dog. I'm like, damn, this is great. I, know, I hope it stays. So, they, but they did stem cells. Mm-hmm. Is that where they like take your own? Like explain. No, they, they take it from umbilical cords. And that's why it is the not legal fuck. in the United States. <laughs> So people are going to Mexico, Medellin, or Panama for it. Um, but I totally recommend Medellin bioaccelerators. That is the best place, in my opinion. They take it from umbilical cords, and then donor, what do they do? Like a donor. Well, they extract the uh, stem cells, and then they also mix it with your own plasma. So they have to take your blood. This is some vampire-ass shit. Girl, <laughs> it's, a, it's a thing. We are going to look like this for the rest of our lives. That's what I'm saying. I feel like That's we're going to be saying. 90. I'll be octagon girling at 40. You know? 100%. No. <laughs> I think that, um, so I, back to your question, how, how long do I have? I, it, it is honestly, um, 
it's as long as I feel it, you know, you, you kind of are intuitive on it. And I think as long as I look and act the part and, uh, eventually I'm going to have a baby and, you know, kind of go to that path, but I mean, not today. So you do, you do want kids. I do. Okay. Are you like in a relationship that you have like a male suitor? What's your plan for like a family? (laughs) I have now realizing I have a beautiful yet controversial fear of commitment that I'm trying to overcome, but I do have a suitor as you would call it. Okay. But, um, but but not you're in a relationship for five and a half years. I feel like that's not someone who's afraid of commitment. No, no, no. no. I think that, um, but I was, I I think I was very avoidant in that relationship. Mm. And, um, you know, for that, I feel really, really bad, but, um, I I never wanted, like I've been married and divorced. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like after going through that kind of thing and then being in another five and a half year, but um, I, yeah, I'm just not like in a rush to do anything. Like, I think that uh, there's a lot of pressure. Ariani, my best friend and, you know, the UFC counterpart for me, uh, she has a baby and they're like, so when are you having a baby? When are you having a baby? I'm like, honestly, I don't know. And I really am not like worried too much about being with someone or having a baby. Like, it's like, it's going to happen when it happens. And like, just same with like UFC. I don't have like a deadline of when I want to stop. Like, I'm like, as long as I'm still having fun, then let's rock. I love this. And I do think that more women should be going on platforms to talk about that Mm -hmm. because it is a, we're in a totally like unchartered territory right now where this isn't the norm. And now like women are doing things and we have all these opportunities where we're taking care of ourselves, which, you know, women's suffrage and rights like Mm -hmm. that, you know, voting from like the fifties and on, it's like our parents were kind of the first people to, to, you know, my mom was a breadwinner in my family and, and now I think people are waiting later yeah. to get married and have kids yeah, because we can No, Yeah. It's like, I have so much healing work to do. And like, like I said, this fear of commitment or this avoidant tendencies or this anxious attachment, like I'm just now just jumping onto the avoidant anxious attachment. Like that. Did is- you read the book attached? I'm reading anxiously attached right now. Okay. There's one book called yeah, attached, attached and it was like blew my mind. And a lot of times what I'll do is I'll read the book and then listen to the audiobook afterward to really cement the yeah, information in. And I've listened, the audiobook is also great for attached, but it's just so eye opening. And that's the best thing that people can do. They think you think you have to have this money for therapy. And there's so many, like, yeah. I don't, it sounds cliche to call them self help books, but there's so much um, like information and knowledge out there. Now you can just, it's in your ear. You can mm-hmm. literally listen to it. I listen to it while I'm cleaning the house and doing things and I can multitask, but it's, it's very interesting. I find it interesting for human psychology and learning about yourself and how you interact with other people. Yeah. And then also the actions of other people, how that's not on you yeah. is also just as important to learn. Cause I think especially women, um, in particular, I think that we blame ourselves naturally for totally, a lot of things. For sure. So I think finding out kind of partner pattern behaviors and how yeah. that impacts take, us. Take is important. accountability for your part in everything. And then it's, you'd be surprised just even after reading something that resonates with you, how healing that is when you know that you're not alone and this is a completely normal pattern and behavior. And once you shed light on it, like anything, it, it can't really hold any darkness. And, and I think that it's really beautiful. And when I decide to make that really big commitment to have a child. I want to have those parts of me so I can be a good teacher and leader and not, um, not be with someone based off of a dependency level or like an anxious, like, Oh my God, I have a baby. I'm going to have a baby with him. Like, I'm like, I want to know, like, and, and listen, no one's perfect and no situation's perfect, but I feel like if the more intuitive you are, the more you listen to your body, um, the more you'll understand exactly the path. And maybe kids aren't for me, but I mean, probably. <laughs> I, I totally agree. I think that like 
I think that some people, and I know this just from like some of my friends telling me, they knew they weren't supposed to, mm-hmm. and they did it anyway. And and I, it's like I have those friends too. I'm we like, know, but you know, it's like what you said, genuinely listening to your own body yeah. and knowing again that like you shouldn't, you know, not everything's going to be perfect, like you said, but certainly not like forcing yourself because there's this like erroneous timeline that we're supposed to follow because our clock is ticking or whatever. Yeah. It's like, I don't really think that's true. I know people who have had kids, you know, 45 and yeah. they're, they're having children for their, their first child. Was I feel it like the later is the better. Like I want to be bored with all this stuff. Like the fact that you quit drinking, like now you're like, kind of like, I want to get to that point yeah. to where it's like, then I'm like being pregnant will be easy. And like my lifestyle will be calmed down. Like I don't want to travel as much because I've already done all the traveling. Like I'm not saying kids are going to prevent that, but I feel like having, for me personally, I, I want to be a little bit older when I do. Yeah. And that's kind of the feedback that I get from people. They're like, Oh my God, that's so crazy. That's an amazing thing that you travel all the time and you go by yourself and you, I'm like, yeah, like I think people are so complacent and like totally addicted to being comfortable. Yeah. And, and I, it's, it's, it is hard. It was hard. The first time I traveled by myself, it was hard, but like causing yourself to step out of that comfort zone. Now it's like, I crave it and I mm-hmm. want to go places alone. And when I am with somebody who I do want to be with, I, I know that I did all of these things on my own so that I don't feel, I don't know, suffocated or, yeah. or something. We have to be, meet them where they're at, right? got to be your That's own right. person going into it. So it's like, there's no, like we said, dependency, just like really quick that was there I'm not sure an attached but there was this interesting part of the book I'm reading and it talks about like butterflies and like those feelings that you have for someone when really it's not butterflies that's just like your inner child like saying like warning you that this is like a physical sign that's not healthy like it's like you you, you when you start reading these or when you start diving in you think like one thing is this when it's a completely opposite end of it that's right and well and that's like usually lust yeah. is what that is yeah. and that's my problem is that like when I experience something like that I dive head first it I'm like this is the person Mm -hmm. and I'm like no because then six months later I find out who they really are and I'm like oh wait yep you know so it's really like trying to slow things down and realizing we're not in a rush um and that everyone puts their best foot forward all the time and like friendships client relationships you know romantic relationships people want to present themselves but you you'll find out yeah you know what I mean so going slow is just the way so when you travel right now like how many are you doing like every single fight night like what does that look like um so I'm doing all of the pay-per-views right now uh I don't go out of the country unless I ask specific um I mean Vancouver was a different situation but uh I'm doing just the big pay-per-views um kind of slowing down a little bit on it uh so big fights and then i'm traveling just for other things and just for life and experience now do people recognize you when you go out from the ufc fights yeah yeah yeah. for oh especially at the fights i mean i i get it i get it a lot here in vegas i think coming back like people um you know just being from vegas and like having a, a name and then when i come back like people uh will recognize me out here but um around fights like it's a whole thing they wait in the lobby we sign photos and we have some of the most incredible fans in the world they'll come to the airport and they have a photo that i took with them six years ago that they've been waiting for me to sign stop it's so sweet yeah they're really great and they always support my show and they always support my work and my art and the trading cards and just everything i've ever done they they're they're just like long you know long time fans and they just like follow your life yeah that's cool yeah it's a different kind of following it's not like uh, my following isn't really based so much on just like oh yeah she's hot it's like these people have been following me for the past 15 years 
So they've been like keeping up with your journey mm-hmm. and your evolution and all mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So with that, let's talk about the art studio and mm-hmm. where you're at now and a little bit about the show that's coming up. Um, okay, so High Frequency, which is at Kaleidoscope Studio here in Las Vegas at the Arts District. Um, it is a show that is really about raising your vibration, raising your frequency. All the elements in it are something that has, you know, has given me a lot of uh, high vibes, good vibes. Um, I want people to come into the show and feel positive and to um, to connect to something in some way. I have a series called the Super Series where I painted all 90s supermodels, but I made all of their hair the different colors of the chakras. So it's kind of incorporating like all of these different elements that make it fun and um, you know different. And it's on July 6th at five. Cool. Yeah. And so, and like, what about the spiritual energy and healing and all that? So when you said that, like the colors of the chakras, how mm-hmm. long? How did you get into spirituality? Like, talk a little bit about that. Ayahuasca. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, actually, Camilla and I did ayahuasca the first time, but prior to that, after my marriage, I had jumped onto the iboga bandwagon, which is like the father grandfather plant, and I started doing um, psychedelics and plant medicine back then. And that really just kind of kicked the door wide open with my healing and um, spirituality. And I've never heard of iboga. Iboga, yeah. So it's ibogaine. It is the grandfather plant to ayahuasca. So it's the mother's ayahuasca. And then iboga is a lot more intense. I've heard that like there's masculine and feminine energy That's where the they say like Pachamama is the ayahuasca, which mm-hmm. is like the feminine mother earth. Mm-hmm. Huh. And iboga is just grandfather. And it very is it's very intense and i had to, i i did it to get through some serious stuff with my ex-husband and that is really what kind of opened up the doors and then you started incorporating like some of that into your artwork after that mm-hmm. um i started working uh closely with camilla and uh you know we're constantly healing i mean you know that with cam like we're constantly trying to better ourselves and um just dive into this world and we've never felt more connected and more alive and been I've never believed in something more than I believe in the spirituality aspect of life and I wanted to start creating that creating art with purpose that's awesome and and Kamala is kind of like what would you call her like a spiritual practitioner kind yeah. of you yeah. know what I mean so she leads people on journeys she and, does and mm-hmm. what's beautiful is not only she's my friend but she's my business partner so I constantly have her to keep me aligned. And so I'm very, you know, as the artist or the talent, like I have kind of my own little creature and she'll have to calm me down. And I know that I can be probably a handful sometimes. And it's beautiful to have someone who's like an in-house healer. So she's like, she'll totally. come in and she'll hook me up to her frequencies. And she's like, you need to calm down. Like your energy's off. Like let's align you, like put your brush down, you know, stop freaking out. And uh, it's, it's really, it's, it's an honor to have that. And you have to be like, it, it has to, you have to be open to that kind yeah. of stuff too. But just for everyone who's listening, uh, Camel and I are neighbors, which is how mm-hmm. you and I met. Mm-hmm. Uh, we live in the same neighborhood. And when my dog got lymphoma, and, and I can't say, you know, but I do want to say. So Zena, my 130 pound English Mastiff, was on chemotherapy um, and it was making her very sick. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if she's up, she's getting sick out of both ends, you know, and there's nothing I can do. I literally can't get her to take her anti-nausea or anti-diarrhea medication because she thinks that's what's making her sick is ingesting mm. stuff. So I can't like, I mean, it was horrifying. Like I had to take her to the um, ER just to get her to them to put a 
you know, IV for her anti-nausea stuff because she would not open her mouth. Trying to open a 135-pound (laughs) dog's mouth is, like, a lot harder than most people think while I'm by myself. Um, So, long story short, she had the machine that does, like, the frequencies. So, we bought... We got the Rife machine. So, we got Zena these little headphones to put on her ears. (laughs) It was the cutest thing ever. And I took her over, and it was so bizarre because... It's loud, which mm-hmm. is why she had to have the, the headphones on. And it's like she knew. She walked over to the machine and just sat. Yeah. Like by the machine. How weird is that? And then all the plants, I'm sure Kamala told you this, all the plants that she had that were around the machine, they were blooming and growing out of control. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you can't explain that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's all frequencies. That's why the show's titled High Frequency. Like, I can't. And that's why it, I wanted completely. you to explain like how your spirituality was tied in. And mm-hmm. that was the first time I heard you say that you painted the supermodels. So it's almost like there's like some pop art elements, but yeah. then you tied in your spirituality, mm-hmm. the colors of the chakras and everything. So I, I want you know people to get a taste and a sense for what they're they can expect. They can expect mushrooms, crystals, color, um, healing tools, butterflies, moths. Um, you know every aspect that you could think of that would bring up some vibrational frequency. And as far as the colors of the chakras, like that you'll see, like I painted Pamela Anderson, right? Because we love her. Mm-hmm. And you know she has yellow hair, but like color therapy is such a real thing. If you look at certain colors, it can completely change the frequencies in your brain um, to bring happiness and joy and you know. Interesting. Yeah, so, and then we're also gonna be having sound frequency running through the entire show. Um, like right when you walk in, yeah. it'll be sound frequencies we will have that are frequencies having. playing, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Are you ever going to do like an art class? Like what if, you know, when you, when you were talking about how someone's like, I wish I could paint, which is how I feel, by the way, when you said that, when people are like, oh my God, I wish I could look like you. And I'm like, then go fucking work out (laughs) and get on a diet plan. It's so easy. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not easy. And that's why, because if it was easy, everybody would look the exact same, but the point is that like it is achievable mm-hmm. um and so when you said that I, I feel like I've said before like I wish I could paint and and I was like damn that's so I feel that way about You're people like, when I they say about attacked. working <laughs> but I was like she's right like yeah. I feel that way about people when they say they're working out and I similarly I I feel like I can't paint but guess what it's because I I've don't fucking to- paint <laughs> so what I would do like I think well, right now I'm um, I'm working. Well, Kamala and I are both working, uh, starting to work with Inspiring Children's Foundation, which is here in uh, Las Vegas. Jewel is the co-founder, and they're um, it's a foundation that helps children with mental depression, anxiety, um, that have you know certain mental traumas, and we're going to be helping them through art therapy. So important, yeah. Yeah, um, giving back, acts of service. <clears throat> One thing that uh, you know, I needed to check off my boxes, <laughs> which I didn't feel like I was doing enough. So I am going to be starting to teach the kids how to paint um, as art therapy. But for you and I, what I do is I have like my brother and my sister-in-law or my friends. I have like little canvases, and you can come over while I'm painting, and then I'll give you all the materials that you want, and you just do it, and I will help guide you. But I think as far as hosting like an art class for everybody that is not in the cards, it's just more for charity and you personally. I that, will do it for you. That's we'll amazing. We'll have like a girls painting night. So like I have love some it. tea, and Cam will have her frequencies on, and then I'll teach you how to paint. By the way, I've never drank more tea oh my in God. my life than I, when I started hanging around Camla. She's her. always like, do you want some tea? And I'm like... I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want any tea. Like, I, like in Texas, we have like sweet tea. I'm like, <laughs> but no. And I'm like, this is actually very, just the act of like 
making something and it's warm and it feels like a hug for your insides yep. and then it kind of causes you to like slow down and relax and so at least like it's the same thing when people are out at a bar drinking you kind of have that like you know hand. I get like a glass of wine and a cup of tea and it helps me not drink so much wine that's my trick that's a good idea yeah well you don't drink anymore so it I know but you still get tea you can <laughs> still get it. tea it's a good idea for everyone listening okay <laughs> um Okay, so tell everybody where they can find you. This has okay. been such a good conversation, um, by the way. So, this is, I'm so glad I came in and yeah. you invited me. Um, okay, so July 6th, Kaleidoscope Studio is the big show opening. You can find me. Uh, go to BrittanyPalmer.com. We're going to have all the paintings, the prints, and the shirts. We are doing a limited run shirt, um, which we are donating proceeds to the foundation, to the Inspiring Children's Foundation. So BrittanyPalmer.com. Follow me on social media, Brittany Palmer. And every, I usually am very vocal about everything there. I love it. This has yeah. been such a good conversation. Thank you so much for Thank taking the you. time.